Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre, and today my guest is Paul DeHalle from Linear Blue. Welcome. Yeah, hi, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. So you haven't actually been on the podcast before, which is a, a failing on my part. So I'm, I'm really glad to finally have you here because you, your company is one of the really big, awesome powerhouse FileMaker development shops. And also, you're, you're like totally worldwide now. So tell us how you started and kind of how you got to where you are. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me on. It's uh, exciting to be on here. I uh, definitely listen all the time, so that's that's quite cool. Um, yeah, we started the company uh, about 15 years ago. Um, I actually started working with FileMaker back in 87 and freelanced for many years and finally wanted to do something a little bit more than that. I uh, got together with a, a friend of mine who was a web developer, and that's kind of where Linear Blue started. And uh, for about the first 10, 10 or 12 years, we uh, steadily built the business up in the UK. Uh, predominantly with, as FileMaker as the core business and then growing into web areas and web apps and the usual kind of technologies there. So from the uh, very beginning, you were actually FileMaker plus web publishing then, huh? Yeah, pretty much. In fact, uh, the, the chap I joined with, a guy called Dan McNulty, was a Lasso developer, if you uh, oh, I remember, remember Lasso. that technology. Mm -hmm. And so we, we did some, uh, some cool stuff with Lasso and putting FileMaker on the web with custom web publishing back in... Uh, late 90s, early 2000s, I guess. Mm -hmm. so. I still run across Lasso Solutions around here, so yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was a great product, definitely. It was it was a great product. Um, and these days, of course, we're more PHP API type sure. stuff, and uh, you know, we, we do a lot of um, uh, MySQL PHP stuff where we integrate and synchronize data between the two and. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's a good fun. So then you kept expanding your company from one to two to uh, then you, you've purchased companies and how many employees you're up to now? Um, we're up to about 15. Wow. Um, now, um, the majority uh, are in the UK. Uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, um, we wanted to branch out into America, uh, particularly the San Francisco area because it's a place that I've been going to for many years and mm -hmm. absolutely love. Mm -hmm. The weather's far better than it is in England. so. Oh, that was a good enough reason. That's fine. Um, and um, uh, we were chatting with uh, Jason Erickson at WorldSync mm -hmm. uh, about uh, people we could maybe look at bringing on board and probably over a few beers at DevCon, uh, decided that um, it would be great if we could work together. And so we did a partnership with uh, Jason and WorldSync and brought him on board into the Linear Blue family, uh, bringing obviously the SyncDeck product, but, but also Jason as our uh, CTO to uh, head up the San Francisco office. Uh, we now got a, a couple of people there as well Cool. with him, which is going great. And then our, our most recent uh, expansion um, was last year into Hong Kong and the Asia market. Mm -hmm. um, we've been thinking about Hong Kong, Australia, somewhere around there. Our idea was to be able to offer 24-hour support and development to our customers. Um, as, as we've grown, we've worked with larger and larger corporate enterprise clients who have global operations, um, also need support out of hours. Sure. Um, and rather than having shift rotors in the UK, which we could have done, mm -hmm. we thought it would be interesting to open up into these new markets um, look at the business opportunities there, and then also offer this uh, sort of 24-hour coverage, which California, Hong Kong, and the UK gives us. It's literally 888. I never thought so, of that, but it totally—it was just in my head. It was just clicking. Those are those are totally offset by eight-hour. So, which makes it impossible to have meetings with everybody during the day, because there's <laughs> there's not a single hour that you guys are actually even 
that any of the two offices have an operation during a normal eight-hour day. <laughs> it, it, it does get a bit challenging uh, if we actually want to do, um, for instance, the, the, the three business partners are in each of the three countries, oh so that, that can be a challenge. Sure. But, you know, some of us get up early and some of us get up late, so that's not too bad. Well, that works. Uh, but, I mean, you're, you're in UK now and I'm in here in Portland, Oregon, and um, yeah. I'm not sure what time it is in Hong Kong, but <laughs> it's... <laughs> I'll try not to look at that. I think it's 13 hours ahead of me. Yeah, so Hong Kong memory is now 12.40 a.m. So, uh, yeah. yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Darren's still up. Yeah, He's, exactly. he's, he's over in Kowloon, probably. <laughs> Pardon me, exactly. Um, so it, it works well, and we have overlaps by a couple of hours when, when we need to, so we can do handovers, and that works well. But one of the nice things is we can be working on a project through the day. We've got tight deadlines, client wants it the next day, and we can hand it over to the next country to be able to work on it so that when we get up in the morning, we've got some code built. That's really nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, 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 it's really fascinating to have that kind of an operation where you can pass a single project from one to another to another and have 24 hours of continuous code writing. Yeah. The, the, it, it, of course, generates logistical problems of its own. Oh, big time. Uh, well, not uh, the uh, least of which is having three different developers, a totally different, you know. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And one of the things that, I mean, I was very keen on in the early days. I mean, even going back to when probably FileMaker 7 came out mm -hmm. and, and everything changed in our, in our world, was about coding standards you know, and development standards. Um, and I started to put together some standards here, and I know other people did around the world and mm -hmm. uh, did some really great stuff. And um, you know, we publish all those on our website. But one of the key things when we bring people on in-house is we go through that, um, we get people on board. At the end of the day, are they the best in the world? It doesn't really matter. It's true. The point is, they're documented, they're easy to follow, they're easy to understand, and we can develop great solutions with uh, a whole bunch of team people working on it together. Right. Yeah, internally consistent, you know, and, and close enough to be best practice that they're actually good. Yeah, I think that's exactly, exactly. right. Yeah. And it would be yeah. really great. And I know that like FileMakerStandards.org tried to get down the road and uh, got a little bit too mired in details at times, but to actually develop standards that are sort of community-wide. I think a lot of those things just automatically happened. Yeah, I think they did. And I mean, I look at ours, and then I look at some of the others out there in the community, and there's so much overlap, because at the end of the day, I think it just made sense. You know, what everyone was doing at the time, we mm -hmm. were all trying to get to the same goal. Sure. Uh, we wanted something that was easy to understand, um, clear and functional uh, and would work within the FileMaker framework. Mm -hmm. And I think you look at the, the handful of standards that are out there published on the web and they're actually very similar. Yep, yep, yep. And then there's really, there's also kind of, it's distilled down to a few, like even like something as simple as uh, naming of a key, right? Do you call it yeah. PK underscore and then the key name or, actually the standard yeah. that I use now is I use ID in all uppercase as the primary key name. Uh, we, <laughs> we, go, uh, ID. we go, we go KP. KP. And then the table, mm -hmm. KP, because uh, we, we use KP, KF, KS. Sure. You know, um, and then if it's the KP, we do the table name in uppercase, just to differentiate it from all the other mm -hmm. stuff, which is title case. So, yeah, that's, I, I see that one probably a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it, that it's that one or like one or two other ones that we see, whereas there mm -hmm. used to be 20 different ones. So I think it's kind yeah. of good at least that we're down to a small number. Yeah. But of course, with FileMaker, when, when did it come in now? Was it 12? I can't remember. I, they all blur a little bit, but mm -hmm. um, everything is now get UUID. Exactly. Uh, and so yeah, I used to actually, so all my keys are UIDs pretty much now. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I used to use uh, different UUID systems. Like I used the Ray Culligan Base 36 one, which was great, a custom function. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and those are nice because they're shorter. But uh, <laughs> the, and let's see, they're not numeric. They're still text. But um, and then there's another yeah. one that was like a purely numeric UUID. But just the one that's built into FileMaker is good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, that's what we use now for mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if a user wants to see something, we have a secondary key, which is a nice little, you know, one, two, three. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A serial number. <laughs> yeah. That has absolutely no, no effect on any of our data. It still, does it grate you to actually have two primary keys in the same table? It kind of bothers me, but I still do it from time to time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to. And then, of course, if, you know, we're linking with some uh, third-party web systems where we have very little control over them, mm -hmm. sometimes you end up having their primary key in your system as well, so you can kind of mirror the two. And, oh, yeah. Know. But these oh, are things well, you have to... In the public health systems I've written, I store maybe up to 10 primary keys for a given record. I store wow. primary keys in many, many other systems for a given patient. Yeah. Um, so that uh -huh. we can always be able to link back data correctly. So if we get a different lab report or something else from for the same patient, we know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And we've imported data from so many different places that it's the only way to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so it's um, but yeah, so so working in a, a team environment has been important to me since almost the day we started the company. You know, as soon as as soon as I got my first other farm maker developer, and we were trying to support the same systems mm -hmm. and work the same systems. And the nice thing is, you know, so I've been building that for fifteen years now. And so when we needed to go to the states, when we were going to Hong Kong, working with those people has really fallen in nicely with the methodology we already had at Linear Blue. The other key things are, are key online systems, communication tools, um, uh, and uh, really good project management. You know, we, we have a fantastic uh, in-house project management team as well, and um, helps keep the developers in line. So. Yeah. So how does it how does it shake out in terms of the number of developers to salespeople to project managers at your company? Um, it's probably it's over fifty percent developers, um, but only just. Okay. Um, uh, and then uh, sales, admin, project management. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's our side of things. Yeah, it's probably a little easier. I mean, my company's four people now, so it's we all wear multiple hats. But uh, I can, I can see there. getting to the point, getting up to like, which I intend to do in the next few years, get up to like maybe six or eight. I think that'd be kind of a good resting point for a couple of years, but who knows when you get there, right? So, <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And, and, and that's what we, we were there for a while. We were around the eight for quite a while. Um, and then uh, the jump up to the sort of uh, 15 or, or whatever we've got now was mm -hmm. uh, uh, really in the last couple of years. So you, uh, you were telling me just before we started that you completed a, a project, like a really cool global <clears throat> project with yeah. a lot of different aspects of FileMaker involved. That, 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 was, that was a fun little project. Um, it's, it's for a pretty well-known uh, international corporate, but marketing reasons, we, we can't talk about that sure. for you know, NDAs and what have you. Mm -hmm. However, they, they, they approached us. They were looking at a lot of different solutions, a couple of other farm maker developers as well as us, but then some other uh, off-the-shelf solutions focused around an iPad or, mm -hmm. or multiple iPads. Mm -hmm. So they were looking at uh, traditional iOS development as well, uh, you know, iApp. Mm -hmm. um, but... The key to it came down to speed, speed of development. Hmm. Uh, we got the, I think we kind of got the official go-ahead just before Christmas. Um, we got to start the project um, at the beginning of January. So I think the end of the first week of January, we started the project. And they wanted a prototype live by the end of January. 
Wow. Yeah, <laughs> three weeks. And this, in essence, it, not a massively complex system. Design mm -hmm. was very important. It was going to be public-facing for their customers. Mm -hmm. So it had to be very on-brand, uh, working with their designers, with their marketing department, our internal designers. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, uh, in essence, without going into too much detail, an event registration system. Mm -hmm. But it involved people being able to sign on iPads, um, different paths and workflows depending on who signed in, uh, a different interface for a receptionist dashboard, if mm -hmm. you like, hmm. and then a back-end, back-office interface as well. Uh, what about web components? Uh, no web at this stage. Um, so we had three interfaces. We had back-office desktop in FileMaker Pro, mm -hmm. um, a dashboard in FileMaker Pro. We did, we did think of doing that in uh, WebDirect, um, mm -hmm. but just with the speed, they were happy to put Pro on there, and it worked. Sure. And then FileMaker uh, Go, obviously, on the iPads. Right. Um, but so we we did the we had the initial prototype written in three weeks. We went live about two weeks after that. Wow. <laughs> One week later we went. So that was in London. Mm -hmm. One week later we went live in New York. Wow. Um, That's cool. And we're doing full data synchronization between the two sites globally. Yeah, and I then was going to ask about the data sync thing. So, what about do the? Is, how's the um, the iPad uh, portion of it delivered? Is it data local on the iPad and synchronized, or is it all server based? No, so it's all server based. Um, it's all internally within their offices. Oh, okay. Um, but each site had to be completely standalone. Okay. But but they wanted to share data. So, for instance, if you go and sign in in London, and then next week you go and sign in in New York, it needs to know that. Right. So we actually utilized um, SyncDeck product, sort of getting back to uh, sure. Jason and WellSync, where we, uh, uh, you, know, brought, you know, brought WellSync on board. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we, uh, so we have everything working locally on each site, and then we automatically synchronize the data every couple of minutes between the two servers. Um, and then there's multiple other locations due to roll out over the next 12 months as well around the world. Um, and that gives complete failover, complete redundancy um, at, a, at a server level. Sure, which is fantastic. Um, but it was the the main thing that I got excited about. I mean, it was it was a fun project to do. I have to say, the design was beautiful, worked really well for the client. But the fact that we managed to deliver this in less than a month um, is, you know, one of the reasons we use FileMaker. Right. It's uh, actually kind of crazy because you you never would expect that the customer could actually move their crap out of the way to be able to. Support you to get something live that fast, but if they're properly motivated, you know, I guess yeah. they can. They, they, they had a motivation that they had a new office opening, uh, the, the American office, mm -hmm. and um, the, we worked backwards from there. <laughs> and sure, it would have been nice to have a couple more months, but mm -hmm. you know, we didn't, so we uh, we did it in the time frame, and yeah, it, it was really good. And I mean, if you look at any other platform that you would have to roll out uh, onto an iOS environment, mm -hmm. there's no way you could deliver something. Um, that was that slick in that short a time frame. Yeah, I did a survey thing for iPad, oh, I guess about nine months or so ago, maybe a little more, um, on a really super short time frame as well, like three weeks from conception, from like, hey, we have an idea and some doctors from CDC are coming out to do this survey. Can we build a survey product for it that they can do 200 surveys to patients directly? Oh, and by the way, the survey is super confidential, so we're not going to actually have the doctors administer it. We're going to hand the iPad to the patient and let them go over and fill the entire thing out with no help whatsoever. So it has to be totally obvious and easy to use. And then they hand it back, 
and securely lock the data away so that not even the survey person can read the responses. They only get analyzed later. That was wow. that was a design <laughs> challenge right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was fun. It was actually really, really fun to do. But I, I guess the key to that is good design, isn't it? You know, something that's usable that a person who is probably not a computer person, you know, they, they might not be used to using computers, not used to using databases, and they need to be in, able to intuitively fill oh, yeah. that data in. Oh, yeah, yeah. The patients were age 18 to, you know, 70. Yeah. So uh, every kind of demographic, um, yeah, and with no instruction at all. So. Yeah, we, it, we, we kept it super simple, all full screen, totally locked down, use the uh, encryption at rest, all that stuff. Yeah, that's, oh yeah, of course, which is really important. Mm -hmm. the, the one thing, uh, fun thing I came across when we were working on this, this new little project, because these were um, iPads that were gonna be handed to users, I don't know if you, you had this as well with yours, was of course we wanted FileMaker to work in a kiosk environment almost. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't want someone pressing the home button and going and browsing the web and seeing all the other stuff that was on the iPad. And it was at then that I came across this, um, uh, is it called guided access? Yes, we did um, use that. Yeah? Yeah, this, uh, it's a built-in feature in the in iOS, right? So you can, yeah. you have like Which, a special part of the screen that you can tap to unlock and then you type the passcode in, but otherwise you can never leave the application running. Absolutely, you can't yeah. press the home button, you can't get to any of the menus, and you can even cordon off um, the, the little FileMaker header area so they right. can't press on the new window icon and stuff. Yeah, and, I, it really, and it's a built-in function. I thought that was really, really nice. It is the, really uh, nice. IOS. Yeah, I think we didn't even have to run the the solution through kiosk mode, if I recall. Yeah, no, we didn't. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Just so you can actually just a regular old... go. Yeah, um, and I think it's a triple click, and then obviously you can set up a password so mm -hmm. that you can get back into it if it's if you're the administrator. Um, but that was because uh, we we went out to look because running it in kiosk is a you know being able to not press the home button was something mm -hmm. that was important. So we went out to look at, well, how, you know, is there some third-party software to do this? And then right. we came across the, the built-in Apple functionality in the mm -hmm. iOS. Uh, I think it's yeah. for kids, right? You hand that thing to your three-year-old kid, and they can play the game, but they can't. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Accidentally yeah, I go. Guess. Makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, it has some good commercial use as well. Definitely. Yeah. So that's cool. A cool uh, yeah, I, I love stories like that where you, where you deploy something so fast. Uh, and, Yeah. Right, the, and and thrill the client, and yeah, also great that you're expanding to more to many offices too. So, yeah, no, it's it's really nice. It was a really nice project. We've done some good stuff with. Um, uh, we did another fun project last year with uh, WebDirect, actually, which was um, uh, a major financial corporate institution offices all over the world. Huge. Mm -hmm. They 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 even had a team of I think two hundred plus SQL developers in house. Wow. Uh, who develop all their own internal apps and, and everything. And they had this one department that needed to basically extract some information out of their, um, I think it was an Oracle-based SQL system. Mm -hmm. um, do some manipulation, do some what-ifs, uh, and then output some spreadsheets. Uh, which they would then send on to agents. It was sort of back-end. It's, it's a company that's huge globally all over the world, but you've never heard the name. They're the mm -hmm. sort of, you know, finance company behind the finance company. Right. In insurance. And they have huge, huge IT company, uh, internal IT mm -hmm. people. And they wanted to be able to do this. They'd looked at FileMaker as a rapid development platform internally, mm -hmm. which was great. 
realized they kind of needed it quicker than they had their own skills to do internally, so they came to us. But the key thing was that, like a lot of corporates or huge organizations, mm -hmm. if you want to roll out a new piece of software onto the desktop of someone's machine, that can take six months plus. Mm -hmm. Because it's got to go through internal testing, rolled up into internal installer packages, and mm -hmm. it's a nightmare. So they said, well, we want to do it through a web browser. But again, really tight time frames. I think, again, it was something like maybe six weeks uh, start to end for the phase one. We've since gone on and done a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it was only about, um, I think, 30 or 40 users, but probably only 15 to 20 concurrent users. Mm -hmm. And we wrote the whole thing in, uh, in WebDirect and, <laughs> and, and rolled it out. Um, they thankfully had Chrome, not IE, <laughs> as, as their browser. And... Uh, we rolled it out really great, and they, they love it, um, and, and it's really nice. And we got around some of the challenges of not being able to export Excel and stuff by using server scripts. Yeah, there's really just a few. It's actually amazing the number of script steps and, and functions that are supported by WebDirect. Like even e even script triggers are things I never would imagine FileMaker would have been able to figure out a way to do, which they did do. So there's it is I think there's only two or three script triggers that are not supported. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as long as you get around the, I mean, there's a couple of little minor things. I mean, the, you know, PDFs and export, but you can kind of understand that. New Windows, you can completely oh, sure. understand that. Sure. Mm -hmm. But by running um, server-based scripts and bringing that in, and I think that was a very key feature that FileMaker brought in intentionally with WebDirect, mm -hmm. because the stuff that you can't do within the browser, throw it to the server, get the server to do it, and then spit it back out to the user through some other method. Sure. Um, and that worked fantastic. Yeah, for us like on a that container project. file, right? You can you can have a server yeah. side script spit out to the one directory on the server that the uh, that FileMaker server can see, and then yep. import that back into a to a container, and then serve it up to the user. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, we had some reports going out via email as well, so getting the server to do that and worked really well. Yeah, so it's good fun. I have to say, I'm. Uh, I never really used IWP, definitely not in anger anyway, uh, through all the years <laughs> that it was there. Right. But I'm, I'm really liking WebDirect and what that's bringing to the table. Yeah, I had like one or two solutions in IWP um, that I thought that it actually was the right solution. But uh, yeah, WebDirect is vastly better. Um, yeah, there's, certain, there's definitely some things I wish it was uh, even better at, like speed. But... Um, yeah, but it's still it's pretty good. And the other thing is, it's it's quite um, heavy use of server. You know, you got it takes a pretty Herkin server to run. It does, it does. But I guess you know we're still on V1 um, for WebDirect. So you know, I think the next uh, couple of iterations over the next few years will really see that enhanced and um, uh, and, and see it improved. You know, mm -hmm. as we often do with V2 and V3s of <laughs> any technology. So yeah, it'll be it. exciting to see what comes with that. I did a really fun test. I wanted to see if it would work. Like if you make a simple solution that has a web viewer in it and you serve it up in FileMaker and the web viewer points to the web direct for the same solution, you know, what will happen? Yeah. <laughs> and Is that like when you put two mirrors together? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or aim a video camera at, at your TV. Um, exactly. So, so actually FileMaker figured out that people are going to try this stupid trick. So what happens is it works one level and that's it. <laughs> so right. you can actually, you can have... A web you can have a web viewer in your solution that points to WebDirect for the same solution and have a totally independent login doing mm -hmm. totally independent things while you're in FileMaker. But if that solution has a web viewer in it, it can't yeah. get to another WebDirect. <laughs> <laughs> they did think about this at they least. They did. They did think about it, yeah. They knew That's that cool. they were going to try this stupid trick.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not trying that. Yeah. And fun. I think also if you're in a web direct solution and you log onto that solution through a browser and that solution has a web viewer in it, that web viewer can connect to other sites. So you can actually have web direct with web viewers to go to like Google or something. Yes. But if the web direct um, if the web viewer points back to another web direct, it won't, it won't do that, which makes sense. You'd never really yeah. need to do that. No, <laughs> that's cool. Just open up another tab. Yeah, absolutely. So I love geeking, geeking out and stuff like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what are the plans for the, for the Hong Kong office and what are the, uh, the, the marketing? Like, I think that's, it's such a huge, um, growth area that's unpredictable compared to the predictable growth that you might see in UK and uh, and United States. Yeah, it's it's brought some interesting challenges. Um, definitely getting used to a new way of doing business. Um, uh, you know, is it it's, uh, a very different world in in the way that they work in in the business they do? Um, we chose uh, Hong Kong because it is obviously still a very international city, even though obviously it's in, in China. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and, and, and being uh, with this background, it, it gave us uh, the opportunity to work in English most of the time, right. but we still have to work in Chinese. Um, and what's interesting as well is it's much more um, almost global, for instance. So, you know, we've been doing, you know, going out to Singapore, going out to Malaysia, mm -hmm. um, uh, and talking to clients there. But it's it's a growing market. Things run a little slower really? over there than they than they maybe do, um, which has been uh, just getting used to a new way of working. Yeah, hmm. and um, but yeah, we're 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 really excited. Um, uh, we've been working uh, alongside FileMaker. There's a couple of other developers over there. Um, I think we had our uh, first uh, Group Asia FBA meeting um, a couple of months back, which was quite cool. Wow, neat. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think there were five. Five different businesses came to that, uh, so that that was good. Um, and we're we're working closely with the guys at FileMaker about how we can promote uh, through maybe Apple stores, uh, through local business events to really get the name known. Because of course FileMaker as a as a product isn't as well known uh, over in China as it right. is maybe in other parts of the world. Um, Japan, however, of course, is, is yeah hugely successful in Japan. Yeah, exactly. And, I'm, uh, and, but China and there's not a whole new. lot of similarities really between Hong Kong and Japan, I think, in a lot of ways. I mean, there are in some ways, but um, obviously yeah. they're, they're completely different cultures, different countries, different languages, different everything. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, China of old had this mentality of um, uh, not necessarily going out and buying software off the shelf, should we say, mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in, in the way that they approached uh, software licensing, software sure. mm -hmm. and licensing. Um, and I think that's become more mainstream now and people are kind of getting on board with that. Businesses are getting on board with that. And, um, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, looking, uh, we're actually lo looking to recruit our, our first Chinese-speaking FileMaker developer over there at the moment, which is quite exciting. And um, yeah, it's, it's opening up a whole, whole new world for us, so it's good. Yeah, I've only been to Hong Kong as a tourist, and, I, and it was quite an eye-opener. And you're exactly right about the um, how the culture or how everything is really English, right? So, I mean, it was an English colony for a really long time. So all yeah. the signs everywhere are in English. English is spoken in pretty much every shop you go to. Um, yeah, and that's definitely helped us. And, and it was right. definitely a decision in, in us going there because it made our lives a lot easier, that's for sure. Yeah, but the place is so different. I mean, at uh, stores, you know, 
all the stores are open till 2 a.m. Like, if you wanted to go buy a Cartier watch or whatever, Cartier, I guess, doesn't make watches. Cartier, uh, whatever. Any any kind no, of fashion, Ca- anything. Cartier make watches. Do they make watches? Of course they do, I was thinking. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they're so, probably not as expensive as Apple watches, but, you know. Uh, well, they probably have some higher-end <laughs> ones. Yeah, I saw a whole bunch of watch brands I'd never even heard of when I was there, too. Like Panerai yeah. and all these other ones that are just really beautiful and amazing. And they all have little stores, and the little stores are open seven days a week until... I, until long after I went to bed, <laughs> 2 a.m. or something. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely crazy. <laughs> and, and you come back, and also getting around on the subway, and so many things about it were just so much, you know, we have a lot to learn. <laughs> I don't oh, know so how efficient it is in the U.K., but, man, it's really... I would really... say so much more efficient. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like clockwork. No, no, uh, it's pretty inefficient over here, so in the U.K., so... <laughs> yeah, well, every, every place has its charms, right? There's, there's things I love about living here in Portland, Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that there's a big world we can go explore. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no. So we're we're uh, you know uh, business is good. Um, we've uh, had some exciting times over the last uh, couple of years. We've um, been bringing on uh, apprentices within uh, the business as well. In in the last couple of years, we brought on. Uh, we have a government apprenticeship scheme over here in the UK, hmm. uh, which is aimed at bringing on uh, anywhere between I think sixteen and twenty two, twenty three year olds, depending on what point they can come out of school. So, as an option of rather than going into maybe university or into college, um, it's a government backed apprenticeship scheme where people can do part time college and then part time work with a business. Wow, that's really field. cool. Yeah, it, it's a relatively new scheme in the UK. I think maybe four or five years ago it came, in, came on board. And we got our first uh, two apprentices, um, a couple of great young lads, uh, I think 18, 19 when they came on, but each of them. Uh, one on the website, one on the farmmaker side. Hmm. Um, they were fantastic. And in fact, last summer they joined us full time which is great. Wow. And we're now interviewing for uh, two more new apprentices as well that we're going to bring up on the filmmaker side. So they were 18 or 19, and rather than going to college, they decided to give up on their college career and just work for you? I'm not sure if I like that. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're fine. You know, they could have gone to places like Microsoft or Oracle, but Linear Blue are far cooler places. Oh, far work, cooler. So. Yeah. Much more, <laughs> much more of, a, of a chance that you're actually going to have an impact on something. Well, exactly. That's what we like to think. That yeah. We you know, we give everyone a you know maybe a broader spectrum for them to uh, to experiment and do some cool stuff and mm-hmm. work on some great projects and uh, and and it's not as if they're not doing college as well because it runs in conjunction with a college course. Mm-hmm. So they do it. It depends on on the course, but you know one or two days a week at college, and then three or four days a week here with us, um, and that's a couple of years. I like it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. I say we're we're now interviewing for uh, two two more, um, because I think you know everybody's having this problem. Um, it's a nice problem to have, but uh, that the, there may be aren't enough filmmaker developers around at the moment, and especially young filmmaker developers. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so we've been working with colleges and universities over the, oh, quite a number of years now. I've uh, I've done some guest lecturing in uh, our local university for mm-hmm. about the last five years. Um, working with colleges on doing training programs and um, about uh, database and technology in general, but then, of course, talking about FileMaker um, and, and trying to raise, raise awareness of um, uh, FileMaker with young kids who are just getting into programming and getting into technology. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I think, think that 
I, I've known that you've done that guest lecturing thing at, at colleges and universities, That's which is something that I think, well, actually something I very much wanted to do. I don't really even know how to start. I don't know how to go to the colleges here in Portland and say, hey, do you guys need uh, someone who's actually been a database developer for 30 years talking to your students about what it's like out in the world? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Do you know, I, I, I'm not sure I can remember exactly how we started it now, but I think we were, we were, um, I think we were getting some interns for, from the college. And uh, we had summer interns um, kind of working through the summer in, in their break. And um, obviously from the you know, computer sciences or IT departments or whatever mm -hmm. uh, within the college. And just started talking to some of the lecturers. And as part of their course when they're uh, doing the, putting the curriculum together, you know, they have a fair amount of freedom and um, each lecturer can opt to bring in somebody as a, just a guest spot. Mm -hmm. This is not a regular thing. This is maybe, you know, once, twice a year kind of thing. Um, well, that's enough. I mean, yeah. I don't think FileMaker, I don't think it's on the radar at all otherwise mm. for, for like a kid in college. No, who's not gonna, at all. Who's getting mean, a degree in IT. No. I, and most of the time when I've gone in, if I even see one hand raised when I say who's heard of FileMaker, I'm, I'm pretty shocked. Um, so because, you know, Microsoft is so pre prevalent. Um, pretty much given away throughout the courses, and m most of the uh, mm -hmm. coursework is all focused around that. Um, if it's on the desktop, or uh, you know, right. things like MySQL and you know, LAMP environments on the web. So uh, yeah, so uh, you know, everything we we can do, I think, to raise awareness within our community and get new blood and new uh, people involved is great, and it's fantastic. You know, being able to reduce the average age of the file maker developer in the company and get some new ideas in and new ways of thinking about stuff. So uh, you know, we we all learn from each other. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that renewed my interest to go to try to actually see if I can figure out a way to do this because, I don't know, I think a big part of it when you get to a certain size company is also just kind of giving back to the community, even if you're not going to be yeah. self-serving and getting um, people to hire as employees. Um, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I yeah, think it's so just a really good thing to say, hey, by the way, uh, you have this yeah. other career path. It might be with me. It might be with somebody else. But there's this awesome platform that you can build applications and really feel like you can make an impact where you as an individual have the possibility of delivering a multinational solution for a major company in three weeks, yeah. like you did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and you point out correctly that you simply can't do that with other platforms. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah, kids are pretty um, kind of confused, I think, when they first see it because it's quite an unusual platform compared to, say, other areas of oh, yeah. coding that they've done. But then once they start playing with it and get over the initial, okay, wh where's my command line to start writing some code? Yeah. Um, they, they think, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. We can do some fun stuff with this and we mm -hmm. can do it really quickly and we can do some really good interface work and, and go from there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's cool. Well, thanks very much for your time. It's, always, it's a really, really good chance to talk. The only, I think the only conversations we've had have been at DevCon, so it's good to talk on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me, Matt. It was, it was really good fun. And, um, well, I'll definitely look forward to seeing you in uh, Vegas. Yep, I'll be there. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot. All right.